Welcome to Study, Grow, Know, where we discuss theology, prophecy, and current political issues from a conservative biblical perspective. Here's your host, Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Hi, thanks for joining me. This is Dr. Fred, and today we're going to talk about the most important thing you can do, and as a Christian, I'm talking about. For much of my life as a Christian, I was confused about, you know, what it meant to literally abide in Christ. I know you've heard that term. What does it mean? It has a lot of meanings to a lot of people, but what does the Bible say? I've discussed this thing in previous articles, and the main reason for my previous confusion over the years, I think, was due to books like Christian uh, by Christian mystics like Andrew Murray and even A.W. Tozer to an extent, instead of focusing primarily on God's Word. And of course, this is not to say that we shouldn't read those other books, but we just need to be very, very careful and have that mindset about, well, how does this relate to Scripture? So maybe the problem was with me and how I specifically understood or interpreted what those particular authors were saying at the time because of my then involvement in the charismatic movement. It's very possible that I was understanding their books, their writings through that framework of the charismatic movement. It does seem fairly clear to me today, though, that Andrew Murray was not really that clear, and he often relied on how he felt about things. He seemed to constantly pursue Christ at an emotional level, as did others. And to be clear, this is not to say that knowing Christ increasingly will not affect our emotions at times. Obviously, it can happen. I'm simply saying that to depend upon our emotions or to use them as a guide is wrong thinking. I just recently turned 65 And having been a Christian since I was 13, it's taken me a great deal of time to work through all of what seems to me to have been potential error in the way I was thinking and in what I was pursuing. And now some 50 years later, I'm hopefully seeing things much more clearly. I understand abiding in Christ is something completely different from what I used to think it was when I was much younger. Now, a recent sermon by Reverend Danny Jones from North Lake Baptist Church in Gainesville, Georgia, also, I believe, clarifies scripture, making it easy to understand and succinct. Jones is easy to understand, and he puts forth what I believe is the truth of scripture in a way that makes great sense for the average person. And I have a link, by the way, in the transcript where you can see this video that I'm referring to. Now, essentially, when a person becomes authentically saved, they begin to abide in Christ from that point. They're baptized into the body and then they begin to abide, to remain with Christ, to have fellowship with him. And some folks become Christians with an emotional release or a greater emotional awareness. Others don't sense much of a change of anything emotionally, although they begin to see that their inner desires are simply changing from what they used to be. The things they used to do, they don't necessarily want to do as the Holy Spirit begins working in them. And in either case, both qualify as new believers. But the interesting thing about abiding is that the Bible seems to indicate that a person can stop abiding. And this is where the problem begins, because many have taken that to mean that a true Christian who began at one point abiding in Christ with salvation can stop abiding and therefore lose their salvation. And Reverend Jones deals with this subject very clearly 
and concisely. Can a person lose their salvation? Not if the Bible is understood correctly, they can't. So exactly what does abiding and not abiding mean? Well, as Jones says, and sufficiently supports with scripture, it simply means at its very basic root that fellowship between God and the Christian exists and it can be severed. Now, when a Christian severs fellowship with God, it usually occurs because of some sin in that Christian's life. Sin destroys. And as we learn in Genesis 3, sin causes physical and spiritual death. When a Christian sins, their relationship with God is absolutely impacted. While they do not lose their salvation, their fellowship with God is broken, just the way Adam and Eve's fellowship with God was broken because of their sin. This is no different from having an argument with another person, friend, loved one, etc., and walking away in a huff. The fellowship with that individual stops, doesn't it? Does this mean there's no longer a connection? No, it simply means there's no longer any conversation or fellowship or camaraderie between the two people. As a kid growing up, there were times my sister and I would get into spats, and those spats often would occur between siblings, as I'm sure if you have siblings, it's happened with you too. And most of the time, you know, they're ironed out eventually and dealt with so that the siblings can get beyond it and once again enjoy the closeness they've always had. The times that my sister and I had these spats did not mean that we were no longer brother and sister, did it? Not at all. Even though we might have felt like that at the time. As far as the law and reason were concerned, the fact that we were a brother and sister did not change one bit. However, we tended to act toward one another as though we did not even know one another during the times where we were angry. Eventually, we would each soften up and begin to move toward one another in the hopes of acknowledging our fondness for one another as siblings again. Now, sadly, there are some folks who have serious fallings out with friends or family, and they wind up going their separate ways. I know of family members who treat other family members as though they don't exist, and you may know some as well. However, even in those situations, the people remain related by blood family ties. That can't be changed or dissolved because it occurred due to the births into a specific family. This is the way it is with God. In our relationship with him, once we become spiritually reborn into his family, there is nothing that can or ever will change that relationship. Now, when we become Christians, we are born into God's family, thanks to Jesus and the faith he allows us to have and exercise in him. But this spiritual birth is only the first step. And by faith, we gain entrance into his family and our sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. Confession of our sins needs to be practiced as the Holy Spirit brings the problem of our sin to our mind. And after confession, he applies his forgiveness. This process is what enables us and allows us to continue abiding in Christ. But the big question for me has always been this, what is the benefit of continual abiding and how is that done? Well, Reverend Jones summarizes things and points out that the more we love God, the greater our fellowship with him 
becomes. John 15 deals with the vine and the branches. Anyone who has ever planted a garden knows that a gardener must prepare the soil, plant the seeds, and ensure that the seeds have water. But one thing the gardener cannot do is force the seed to grow and mature into a healthy plant. The gardener can simply provide the, I guess, background or facilitate a situation where it is in the best interest for that plant to grow. But the gardener cannot force the plant to grow. So what's fascinating is around our home, there are all sorts of vines growing up on trees, just growing wild. And it's interesting to watch the individual branches of the vines. As long as the branch remains connected to the vine itself, it's going to grow into a healthy branch. Once disconnected from the main vine, when I have to trim them or prune them or whatever, the branch that I just pruned is going to die because it is no longer connected to the vine where it regains and keeps its source of nutrition. So this is where folks get the idea that salvation can be lost. Yet this is not what Jesus was teaching in John 15. Jesus was simply pointing out that if we are to remain spiritually healthy and continue growing, we must commit ourselves to remaining in connection with the vine or abiding in Christ. And once we stop abiding, once we stop being connected fellowship-wise, we shut off the possibility of all the benefits we have in Christ. Spiritual death can result. Again, we don't lose our salvation, but spiritual death does happen. Now, in the past decade, we've seen numerous Christian leaders, some very well-knowns at that, fall away from Jesus. Some came out to acknowledge their new reality, that they are no longer Christians, they're atheists. Others kept up the charade by outwardly continuing to express Jesus while secretly living a life of shameful sin until it caught up with them and became public. And then they were forced to step down. In either case, if the person was indeed actually a Christian, they continued to be one even after they fell so far. If they were not Christians to begin with, but were merely using Christianity as a convenient way to amass a following, and usually with it large amounts of money, well, then they did not lose what they never had. They weren't Christians, so they didn't lose their salvation. Reverend Jones then goes into 1 John 2, 24-27, where the Apostle John speaks about our abiding in Christ. And it is extremely important for us to understand that we need to work at abiding. It does not come automatically. And as my pastor says, we don't wander toward Christ. And that's my paraphrase. We tend to wander away when we relax our efforts. Our effort must be expended on our part to make this happen. But practically speaking, how does it happen? Well, think about a weightlifter or a bodybuilder or someone who just likes to work out. The moment they stop doing that routine, the moment they break that routine and that cycle and they just, they get lazy, well, their muscles are going to start getting lazy. And then if they continue to not do this for a long time, their muscles will atrophy and they may even start putting on weight. So they have to stay in the program to remain built up, to remain healthy, to remain physically active. So it first starts with the desire to do the right thing. We must cultivate it by doing practical things that will affect our spiritual lives. And probably the first and foremost way is to be in his word. If you or I are not reading his word, 
studying his word daily. We are not going to be focusing on abiding on him because we're not going to be focusing on him. And it is that simple. So to abide in Christ continually means to live lives in such a way that our efforts are focused on how to make this come alive within us. His word provides truth, John 17, 17. If we are not focusing on God's word, his truth, we are very likely living in error. And by the way, another sermon from Reverend Jones deals even more conclusively, in my opinion, regarding this subject, when Jones speaks about the fact that we should probably begin preparing for persecution. And there's a link to that video in the transcript as well. Both of the sermons that I'm highlighting in this episode explain how to draw close and remain close, which is abiding in fellowship with Christ. Jones illustrates with examples from military people who spent time in the Hilton Hanoi years ago, as well as much more recently, Christian pastors in other parts of the world who were simply jailed for being Christians. How did they get through their ordeals? What gave them strength? What created the ability in them to overcome? Well, in all cases, it was the Bible verses they had previously memorized and the hymns they sang growing up. The truths they constantly repeated to themselves are what calmed their heart and fears and overwhelmed them with a great love for God. It directed their thoughts toward God and they remained in fellowship with him. In one particular case, a pastor who was jailed and knew he would be, he had started practicing the things he knew would be of help before he became incarcerated. Like, for instance, going without food or fasting, just to know and get used to what that felt like. Folks, we might be tempted to say that this type of persecution cannot come to the USA, but we really need to seriously think again. The goal of each Christian is to grow in our love for God. And I believe as we grow... In love for God, we gain a strong desire to not do those things which will offend him. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in another episode. But if we're not offending him, we will be living in a way that causes us to fear offending the Lord, right? In essence, then, loving God and having a healthy fear of offending him are really two sides of the same coin. They work hand in hand, in my opinion. Loving God And the resultant fear of offending him can only happen when we make the effort. It is effort in this life, and it always will be because of the inherent sin nature that always wants us to move away from God. We must instead use our effort and faculties to move toward God deliberately. That's the process. We're born again, John 3.16, and then learn to live our lives in such a way that love for him constantly grows within us. This growing love for him and his ways translates into developing or cultivating a healthy fear of offending the Lord that keeps us from breaking our fellowship with him through sin. I don't know any other way of actively being a Christian, and I wish I had known about this decades ago. Please take the time to watch the two videos and and then check to see where you are in your relationship with Christ. Like all of us, like me, I'm sure it could always use improvement. Well, thanks so much for joining me today. And until we meet again, I pray that God will open your eyes to show you how blessed you are in Him. You've been listening to Study, Grow, Know with Dr. Fred DeRuvo. 
Please join us each week for new broadcasts that deal with theology, prophecy, and political issues from a biblical, conservative perspective. 